Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the host of this podcast. Today, I wanted to tell you first about a little gift I have for you over on the Covey Club site. It is called 31 Badass Tips for Launching Your Reinvention Without Fear. And you can get it for free just by moseying over to CoveyClub.com and hitting the button that says connect in the nav bar and download it. And these are my best tips that I have pulled together from really my 10 years of experience in this area, especially when I was running More Magazine. It was all about reinvention in the end. And hopefully this will get you started. It has a lot of links to the stories we've done in the sites and to our various podcasts and other things that we have out there. Hopefully that'll help you get started. So while you're doing that, I'm gonna introduce our next conversation. And I'm really excited. This is Anne Dowsett Johnston, and she's the best-selling author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. And she is now a successful psychotherapist, having gone back to college, Smith College, in her 60s. Does this sound a little familiar to you? Yes, because I went back to school in my 60s also. She has a female-only practice and helps women reinvent themselves. She runs a very successful memoir writing workshop called Writing Your Recovery, because she believes we are all in recovery from something, grief, substance, burnout. And you know, after this pandemic, we are all going to be recovering. I think no matter how well we got through this, there is a lot to come. Don't kid yourself, this was a lot harder than we all thought. So I'm really excited that I bring to you Anne Dowsett Johnston. So Anne, welcome to our wonderful reinvention discussion. Thank you, it's a joy to be with you. And um, I am just so interested and you have done so many different things. I love the fact that you've done the best-selling book, Drink the Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol, and now you're a psychotherapist. And I really love the fact that you went back to Smith in your 60s. So let's start with where you are um, now and what you're up to. And then we'll go back and talk a little bit about the threads of your various reinventions um, and how they sort of showed up later in life, perhaps. But talk a little bit about what you're doing now and you do these writing your recovery events and... Start wherever you want. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Um, it's a joy to talk about this. Six months ago, I graduated from Smith College. I was 67 and launched a new career as a psychotherapist. And having been a journalist for 40 years, I was missing writing and thought, how can I put the two worlds together plus um speak to my audience from my book Drink, which is a memoir of my tumble into addiction. I'll talk about that a little bit more. So I started a practice and I started doing these workshops called Writing Your Recovery on the grounds that I believe everyone's in recovery from something, whether it's substance use or it's grief 
or it's heartache or it's something else, disappointment. Um, we're all in recovery from something. And I am having such a wonderful time with um, basically a North American group of women. It's all women um, who go from, we do it for eight weeks and are all writing their memoirs and are all beginning to pitch books, which is just a treat. So did you start those during the pandemic or was this something that you'd already begun? I started them in January in the pandemic as a wonderful way to, I believe that Joan Didion was right when she said, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. I believe that sometimes it's um, not until I've sat at the proverbial typewriter that I actually know what I think of something as a writer. I, I turned to my writing to really delve into my heart and soul. And so many women had come to me over the years, having read my book, Drink, and said, I think I have a story too. I think I have a memoir too. And I believe most of us do, if we can come at it the right way. And so I started them in January and the first group was so successful that they decided they didn't want to quit. So I let them stay on for a second session and women are progressing from a few pages a week, two chapters, through to book proposals, and now pitching to uh, book agents, which is so exciting. These um, eight-week sessions um, start on a regular basis. And then for those who've graduated, we have what's called writing your discovery, which is a play on words. And this is the graduate group. And they're all doing so well. So have a bunch of books come out of this? I have books, book proposals in my uh, alumna group um, before an international agent right now. We'll have to see if there's a yes. Um, I've had women have articles in major magazines. I've had women have, um, major pieces submitted to contests. And it's really quite remarkable to see how they've gone from, you know, just that showing up for the page on a daily basis to actually pulling off something quite substantial. So that's amazing. Um, we have a lot of writers in Covey, so they'll be very happy to hear that. We actually have a room called the Writer's Room, um, which is run by Laura Munson, and she offers prompts for people um, to keep them journaling. Some of our people are serious writers and others just want to be journaling to get their, um, their thoughts onto paper, which is really lovely. So we intersect in a lot of places there. So talk a little bit about why you went back to college. And was it back to get your master's at Smith? Had you gone there undergrad? And why did you wait so long? And what was the joy of that? Because I got my degree at 63, 62 um, in sustainability at Columbia, and it was wonderful. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Um, 
I had a real yearning. I was a journalist, as I said, for a long time. I'm Canadian and I was a journalist in news journalism and um, had a wonderful career. And then I became vice principal of McGill University. But somewhere in the middle there, I really longed to be a psychotherapist. I was in my 30s and thought I will leave journalism. I've done what I need to do and I'll go back to school. And at that point I had a five-year-old, my marriage was not in good shape and I couldn't do it financially. Um, fast forward to my being 64 and I went to the graduation of my son who went to Smith to do his master's of social work. And I was at his graduation and I had this deep pang thinking, I'm going to die and never have done this never have really realized one of my dreams and he said why don't you do it and indeed I did I went and you know lived in a student dorm along with 25 year olds and I happened to have broken my ankle before I went so I also was in a wheelchair and I was older than many people's parents and as old as some of their grandparents and it was a phenomenal experience um, and as I said, I graduated last August. So this is a brand new chapter for a 67-year-old. So was that for your master's then? Did you already have your, your bachelor's and this was a master's degree you were going for? Yeah, this was my master's of, of social work. And I knew that I wanted to work with women at the many junctures, transitions in life, being in my 60s, you know, that includes leaving your parents' home, graduating from college, um, becoming a mother, uh, making a marriage, all the different junctures, getting a career started, menopause. I really see women's lives in, in a many chaptered way. And I'm interested in working with women in those chapters at the junctures when they're trying to make big decisions about changing their lives. And I um, am very informed by the poetry of Mary Oliver and am very interested in how women metabolize change, how they find the courage to make change and how they navigate that change. And so my practice is made up of about 30 women, all of whom are of all ages, all of whom are making some kind of transition, whether it be to motherhood or out of their parents' homes or into um, post-retirement. Um, women, some wrestling with substance use, some wrestling with uh, career disappointment. And I love my practice. It's a joy. It's a weekly joy. Let's talk a little bit about the substance abuse and then I want to go into disappointment because I think that is something that um, a lot of women feel at this time in their lives. And um, what's the connection between the two? Is there a connection? Are people using substance substances to get them over disappointment in middle age? Or are they just two separate topics? And what do you see? No, I think they're connected. I love that you make the connection. Um, 
back in 2012, when I wanted to look at women in alcohol, um, I am the daughter of a beautiful woman who became, was a classic 1960s stay-at-home mom who mixed Valium and cocktails during the day and lost many decades of her life to alcohol. And I thought I would never go there. And in fact, when I became vice principal of McGill University, I found myself burnt out, overworked, um, highly stressed and using alcohol to cope. And I took myself to rehab in the United States and I'm now 13 years sober, but I was fascinated by why women were doing this again. And my book really looks at the fact that, and the pandemic has only underscored this, that women um, tend to drink, tend to self-medicate, tend to drink for reasons of um, often disappointment, often stress, often anxiety, and often overwork. Um, that classic where it's easier when you finish your work day, you know you have more emails to answer, you may have homework to oversee, et cetera. It's easier while you're chopping vegetables and preparing a meal to pour a glass of wine than to perhaps do 20 minutes of yoga. And that's the problem I hit. Um, and in fact, I think alcohol has become the modern women's steroid. We're seeing terrible, terrible numbers in terms of women um, presenting at emergency rooms with alcohol-related issues. Um, we're seeing liver disease in women in their 20s. We're seeing indeed that the alcohol industry pitched at women in the 90s and it was an experiment that paid off and we're seeing a lot of mummy jokes about you know i'm the reason mummy drinks um on i have a little onesie with that emblazoned on it but you raise an interesting question about the disappointment i think you know women women can have it all but they can only have it sequentially and there is a crunch that happens um, especially when you're successful or maybe when you're disappointed for a number of reasons. And for uh, in many women's lives, alcohol is the legal easy thing to turn to. And the numbers are terrifying. Um, we, we really metabolically and hormonally do not um, uh, respond to alcohol as men do. And it is a female subject of conversation, and it should be. So we're speaking at a very urgent time on this issue. And I think um, we've seen what they call a she session through the pandemic, which has been most disturbing, with women just exiting the workplace saying, it's too much for me. I have to take a break, turning to alcohol, um, perhaps, and we have a perfect storm and, and it's most troubling. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing more women come to you? Cause I'm, I have this sense that coming out of the pandemic, so many people got by, by just hunkering down, hanging on literally just like holding your breath underwater. And I have this sense that as we come out of this, you're just going to see this explosion of mental health issues, you know, kind of popping out. And um, self-medication is probably one of them as well. Is that what you're seeing? 
That's exactly what I'm seeing. I don't know of either south of the border or in Canada where I'm living. I don't know of um, a mental health professional that doesn't have a wait list. Uh, it is a very, very dire time. People are stretched. They're anxious. They're depressed. They are have a real sense of having hunkered down too long. And I think this is going to have a ripple effect for years to come. Um, I think it's going to affect certainly the young people that we know, certainly, certainly people of all ages, to be frank. I think it's been exceptionally difficult. What can we do as women um, as we see this coming out? I mean, do we recognize this in ourselves? and seek help or do we recognize it in our friends or how are you seeing, are you seeing people come to you or talking to your peers about it coming out in conversation or how is it, how is it appearing? And is it appearing mostly online? Where are we looking for the signs of alcohol abuse or various substance abuse due to the pandemic? What is really remarkable is when I joined the 12-step community 15 years ago, I wasn't successful right at the beginning. Um, you saw very few women. It was hard to find a women's room. It was hard to find a group that had uh, certainly young women. Um, now you see women um, who are young mothers, easy to find women's rooms, easy to get um, community, and I think it's incredibly cherished given how isolated we are in the pandemic. So I see women reaching out for help, um, looking for community, looking for community in every ways, both women struggling with substance issues and women who aren't. I think we're just built as heat-seeking entities, as human beings, where we want to need a hug. We want to need community. We want to need connection. And um, I love the women in my practice. I love the women in my peer group um, of fellow therapists. I find that what I love about women is women do so well when they seek help. They, they do so well. They flourish. They take advice seriously. Uh, we know from the um, research that men go, for instance, to rehab more frequently than women, but women thrive and do better than men. Um, it's just usually with family responsibilities, it's hard for them to get the kind of care they need. So I think this is a really important time to look at female therapists and the kind of um, appetite that women have for seeking help, um, very positive as opposed to say the 1960s when I grew up in 70s when I was very stigmatized. So let's talk a little bit about um, going back to your history because that's great. I mean, I think that is exactly where we are. Talk about your reinventions and, um, you know, how did you grow up and what did you think you would end up doing? And 
before you decided you were going to go back to college. And I think I had a little bit of the same thing you did when I was dropping my daughter off at college. I was like, wait a minute, this is so much fun. It looks so exciting. Why is it only for 20 year olds? <laughs> and actually it's not in this day and age, which is so interesting. But let's just talk a little bit. Did you grow up in Canada? Where did you grow up? I was born in Canada and then before, because my father was in the mining industry and, and uh, in exploration, we had the great good fortune of moving to the middle of nowhere, the trans sky in South Africa. And I went to school in Afrikaans in a village of a hundred um, in the last homeland that um, the first homeland that was given back to the blacks. So it was apartheid South Africa and incredibly exotic and incredibly troubled politically. My parents were activists um, and sadly, um, first my mother and then my father became alcoholics. So by the time I had made it through that uh, childhood, I had been much, much loved and much nurtured by my grandparents. Uh, and I was determined the last thing I would ever be was an alcoholic. I, I had a tremendous career and as you did with journalism and I really um, flourished and it was a joy. I wanted to be a writer. I became a writer. It looked like I had everything pulled together and uh, then I fell into a huge depression. I had always battled depression from my teens onward. And because my mother was addicted to Valium, was determined never to take medication. And I did fine until menopause. And then I crashed and used alcohol to relieve it, which is just about as bad a thing as you can do, given that it's a depressant. And um, so it was a glorious career with quite a glorious crash. Unbelievable. It's great. Well, it's, you know, the good news is, so when did you leave journalism? You left it at the right time because you didn't get to go through the horror of seeing it dwindle away and become totally desiccated. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like you got out while it was still flourishing. Am I right? I got out in 2005 when it was flourishing. Oh, I, you're lucky. We had a uh, we have a Canadian news magazine called McLean's and I was in on the ground floor when it became a weekly. And um, when I left in 2005, it had more, had it had more employees than it ever had. So it was really at the top of its game. And yes, you're right. I got out in time. Um, and I was very fortunate as I made my shift into news journalism, from news journalism into book writing that I got a major international book deal and did very, very well. And all was um, fine until I tried to write my second book, which wasn't successful. And that's when I pressed pause and decided to live the dream of becoming a psychotherapist. So. Reinvention has been, I, I, 
the way I count it, this is my fourth career. Awesome. So let's talk about what somebody who's listening can learn from you in terms of making that transition. So say they're inspired likewise, um, they could be journalists or something analogous, and they decide, you know, that's what they want to do. They want to go across, they want to cross over and become a psychotherapist. What would you say to them looking back? What were the, you know, three tips or tricks that they should know? Well, I think the first thing is the sooner the better, because uh, it's such a joyous career and it's so rewarding, you might as well get started. That is the first thing I would say. How I did it is I had some significant retirement savings and I robbed them. I stole from my retirement to um, go back to school and it was very expensive. Um, so that gave me some pause and has given me some sleepless nights in terms of, am I doing the right thing? Um, but that is, that is, uh, positive in the end, I think, um, in that my business is up and running. And as we were just talking about, there is a huge demand for mental health professionals. So I think it's, it's manageable, um, it takes some chutzpah to go back to school with young people in their 20s, but I made fabulous new friends and I got to know the United States and study a lot about the United States and about, it was of course, the era of Black Lives Matter. And I had quite an initiation into a world that's very different from the one I live in Toronto, Canada, which I think was, hugely expanding for me. So I think that's, you know, a key message that you will learn a lot. You will learn a lot going back to school, as you would know, having gone to Columbia. And that is just so rich. I think that we obviously, my approach to life is that we live in chapters. And this chapter has been um, when so many of my friends are retiring, um, fresh very, very fresh, very inspirational, and very new. I intend to work until I'm at least 80, uh, probably to pay off my student debt. <laughs> and um, maybe I'll surprise myself and it'll be closer to 76, but I hope to work to 80 or even beyond. You know, and I don't think that that's unlikely today. I mean, I think the thing that we see, I mean, look at Anthony Fauci, look at, I mean, it is a different world out there as we get older because we're healthier, we've eaten better. I mean, just think of all the crap our parents were doing, not only alcohol, smoking, all the pills they would take. They were just like, I mean, we are so different in, in what we know about health. And it, there's no surprise to me that our longevity um, has lengthened so much. And I don't see why we shouldn't look at it that way. I think it's great. Anything else you want to tell um, our listeners about looking forward? And I mean, did it did it stress you at, out at all to decide to put that money down for school? Because I know I had to really think about that. That was like, that's serious to put your money down 
later on in life. Yeah, I really, um, it did stress me out. I'll be, I'll be honest. It stressed me out. And um, even further, I, um, my beloved son who, who did go to Smith actually lives in the United States in California. And I bought a house in California to make matters even worse. So I live um, part of the year near him and that is a joy. Um, but that is also costly. So I will probably be working much longer than I probably even said. Um, but with that said, I was really interested recently to see some figures, which I'm sure you would know, saying that women in their 50s and 60s were one of the most um, enthusiastic group in terms of entering the employment market. And I think this era generation of women has grown up believing they can have it all, uh, has grown up believing that um, they're not going to golf and play bridge until they're old, but rather they're going to seize the day. And I think that so many of us want to do just that, want to shape lives that are rich and fulfilling and we're used to it and we want to continue. Awesome. That is fantastic, Anne. Thank you so much for all those insights and thank you for your generosity and actually talking about the stress and that these things are not easy, but they can be done. I want people to understand it may not be easy, but you can do it. No, we have, as Mary Oliver says, this one wild and precious life. And um, it makes me extremely almost emotional to talk about it that way. And I encourage all women to look at life with that lens. And it's been a real treat to talk to you today. Wonderful. Thanks, Anne. Where can people find you if they want to join your group? Um it's very easy. It's um, my website is my name and dowsettjohnston.com and under workshops, they can enroll for, we have a September group that is wide open and I would welcome and look forward to meeting anybody from your community. It would be a joy to have them. Great. And thank you so much. Thank you so much too. So thank you all for spending some time with us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you liked what you heard, I hope that you will subscribe and follow us on all our social media. And if you're looking for more information about reinvention, we have wonderful tips and tricks. We have articles. We talk a lot about reinvention we have pods, which are our small little groups in Covey Club, where women gather to talk about reinvention and how to do it. Covey Club is the place that you can go where very successful women will hold a space for you while you figure out what is next for you. And we have the proof that it works and we are really excited to help you out. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.